Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome back, everyone. Another week, another Zoom. Another pandemic. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> another day oh. in in the pandemic, I should say. I shouldn't say. Yeah, another pandemic. God forbid. I hope you guys are all surviving and that, surviving. <laughs> <laughs> That's the extent of where Amanda's energy is, and I, I believe mine is too. But, you know. It's Friday. It's, it's you know, yeah, it's for us, it's here in California. Or, I know. I know we're so lucky to have this phenomena, but I think we should just kind of get right into it. We're really excited. You know, we try to bring you guys guests as always. Our mentality with this podcast was to start conversations. And I'm really excited for Andrew because I feel like we're going to hit a lot of different topics. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Give a little bit of background. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. My name is Andrew Lefkowitz. I am the host of the Integrated Schools podcast and part of the leadership team at Integrated Schools. And Integrated Schools is uh, an organization started back in 2015 that is really focused on organizing, sort of grassroots organizing of parents with racial or economic privilege to engage in the education system in a different way than we have in the past, with the hopes of kind of leaving us in a place where all kids are learning together, and we have made strides towards being a true multiracial democracy. How did you, I mean, phenomenal. And I can only imagine within the last year of everything, how much you've been able to kind of push forward. What kind of brought you to to integrated schools as, you know, a website, as a podcast, like kind of explain a little bit of that journey for us. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Denver. I I live in Denver again now. I left for a while, but came back and raising my kids here and was one of a small handful of white kids in my elementary school and found the experience very powerful and kind of looking back on my life, one of the things that really shaped me. And so got here, moved back to Denver when our kids were young and started thinking about where to send them to school. And, you know, when we first moved here, we bought a house in the good school district and I sort of hadn't thought much about it. I was like, great, this is great. I, I work here. Somebody who knows more than me has said that there's a good school here and I can send them there and that's great. And really in the process of starting to get to know the schools and getting to know the neighborhood a little better, realized that quote unquote good school, as in most places, was a very white school and a very wealthy school and disproportionately so compared to the rest of the neighborhood. And started thinking like that, I'm not sure that that's actually the experience I want for my kids. And so kind of looking around at other schools in the neighborhood and feeling a little bit lonely in thinking that way. That most of my social circle was saying like, you know, you're what you do as a good parent is you get your kid into the quote unquote best school you can find. And it didn't sit right. Like it's something about it felt funny to me. And so that was how I actually came across integrated schools, which at the time was, you know, it started out as a blog by a woman named Courtney McKitten who was in LA and sort of had a similar experience. Her kids are much older than mine. So further along in the process, but she was started blogging about it, writing about it, and then really trying to mobilize parents, building relationships and community recognizing that for anybody to do something different to kind of go against the flow took a community of people to support them in doing that. And so she was really committed to building that community. And one of the things that integrated schools was doing at the time were book clubs. So sort of zoom, you know, before everybody was on zoom, right. integrated schools on zoom doing book clubs of people across the country. And so I joined one of those 
started speaking with Courtney afterwards and kind of decided that starting a podcast would be a good way to kind of scale these one-on-one conversations, but do them more broadly and reach more people. Yeah, well, podcasts are so in right now, right? And it's something that everyone can kind of access pretty easily and probably the best way. I mean, to get it all the way across the country, I mean, that's how we started our podcast, right? That we can only do presentations so many places so you can reach a lot more people. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, think, you know, similar to, to your podcast, you know, there's power in having those sort of one-on-one conversations. Parents need to have them to start to feel a little bit comfortable about how to, you know, I think in your case, how to best advocate for their kids. Right. I think in our case, how to think about, which probably sort of aligns, like how to think about living their values through the choices they make about their kids in schools. And you can only do those, if you're doing them one at a time, it's, you know, can't scale that. And so podcast really was a, a great medium for us to kind of grow that audience a bit. And there's no manual, right, for how to make these decisions. And so you go to, you know, the people that are immediately surrounding you. And I think the feeling that you kind of were starting to have was the ickiness of, you know, how the system of white supremacy has just kind of incepted, if you will, so many different areas of, of our lives. And, you know, hindsight 2020, you're looking and you're like, oh, okay, housing was segregated back in the day. But, you know, those people, you know, the white flight, right, of white families leaving the urban areas for the suburb, you know, like, and I think that's probably, you were very intuitive to that feeling. And to be able to find a community that was able to kind of hold up a mirror and be like, no, no, yeah, like, this is how we can do it must have been just such a relief (laughs) and weight off your shoulders. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, I think I had, you know, I think particularly my experience growing up, like I had thought of myself as being tuned into racial justice. I thought of myself like white supremacy was not a, a concept that was foreign to me. Yeah. But I didn't see it in myself as I started making school decisions because, you know, I mean, that's like the slipperiness, the like the way that white supremacy is so good at making you think you're not talking about race when you're talking about good schools and making you think you're not talking yeah. about race when you're talking about good neighborhoods or good houses or, you know, any of those things. It's like it wasn't even in my mind. I would not have said at that point I was participating in white supremacy. Right Now, looking back, when I, you know, a friend of mine moved into the boundary for the school where my kids now go, which is, you know, like a two on great schools and like, is like by out external measures is a quote unquote bad school. I love the school. It's the school that I went to growing up. It's like, it's amazing. My kids are thriving there. But when my, a friend of mine moved into that boundary, I was like, well, what are you going to do about schools? You know, the, nobody goes to those schools. Uh. Conversation. There's kids in the building, like somebody goes there, but we say like nobody goes there and these right. like sort of insulated white conversations that in that moment, I didn't think I was having a conversation about race. Right. But clearly I was replicating this like, you know, hoarding of resources, hoarding of privilege, the ways that white supremacy makes that so easy without having to confront it. Yeah. So I want to go back to just the name integrated schools, because I know in one of your first episodes, you guys really talk about the idea of like using integrated schools, the word integrated as the name of the podcast, because for so long, for a long time, the word integrated and integrated schools really meant that students and children of color were being integrated. But you guys are trying to like take that and turn it on its head and say, no, it's up to us as white parents to do something. It's not up to the schools. I mean, it is up to the schools, but it's not up to kind of the concept that we thought of years and years ago, right? Yeah, I think we try to think a lot about 
distinguishing between desegregation and integration. And what we have done for so many, you know, whatever attempts we have made to have racially diverse schools has been through desegregation, has been about moving of bodies, has been about, you know, the sort of numbers. And so often that has been done on the backs of communities of color, that the burden to get on the bus for two hours is almost often, almost always borne by students of color, that that is like where the kind of harm has been done in attempts at desegregation. And so we try to think about integration as really something different and something new, something we haven't actually done as a country, right. which is involves getting kids together, but also involves, you know, new forms of shared power, also involves decentering of whiteness. And that because white and privileged families have been the key barriers in the past, that it's really on us to take the first step to do, not to solve the problem, not to like create the vision of the future, but to get out of the way of building those new forms of shared power. That was so well said. (laughs) And I think that the more that people are exposed to these types of conversations, it helps shift the perspective. You know, it is what it is, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can envision and help create a world that you feel is appropriate for our children. And I think what a lot of white people have had to confront, especially within this last year, in seeing a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement um, and protests out in the open and really it being, quote unquote, in their face, is really to, and nobody wants to do this, but a, a reflection of inside. It's very easy to see it and just be like, oh yeah, that's white supremacy. I, I see that, blah, blah, blah. But then to really go inside, it's very tough. And that's what, you know, right on your website, it says we're having these difficult conversations. And I think the integration component, the way I see it as well, is instead of just moving bodies, is actually having an open discussion about what is happening. Because children are, they're not dumb. <laughs> and I think oftentimes it's just like, don't tell the children like just do it and they need to be part of it as well and i see you guys doing that yeah i mean i think that's such an important point because they like the kids know yeah and what they learn often what they learn is that's not something we talk about right if the message from the parents is ooh, like as soon as race comes up white parents are often like i just i don't want to expose my kids to that so young like why should they have to be burdened with that so young which is obviously like not a question any parent of color, a conversation any parent of color has ever had with their kids, Absolute, right? right. Yeah. The very first yeah. moment they have to have those conversations. Yes. But the kids notice from the time, I mean, there's you know there's research on from the time they're three months old, kids are starting to pick up cues Absolutely. about rape and about yes. difference. And if we ignore it, all they're left with is to like assume this is a taboo topic and they can't talk about it. And so it definitely takes... I mean, it's a, I am in no, I have no, in no way arrived. It is like a work in progress, but just being in a diverse, in a school that has a lot of kids that don't look like my kids provides the opportunity to have conversations about it. I still have to lean into that. I still have to do it. You know, it's not enough just to put them there, but like, we have to talk about it. We have to talk because, you know, I think the, the danger of just desegregation, the danger of just putting kids together. So we talk about the meritocracy, right? We talk about this country as a place where if you work hard, you can get ahead. And if that's the only message you ever tell your kids, and you never talk about race, and you never talk about systemic racism, you never talk about white supremacy, and kids see that the people who are less likely to be ahead are black and brown, and they believe you, the only thing you've left them with is racism, right? Like the only thing that they can take away from that is that there is something different or inherently inferior about people of color. And so you have to give them exposure, but then you also have to give the content and the kind of conversation. And those things, yeah, like you said, they're terrifying, but you, yeah, you have to lean into them. 
Yeah. And I think the idea too, that there's more to education as a whole construct, not just our schools than just academics. And I think that's one thing you guys showcase really well, even with like some of the stories of the individual, like talking about it in the abstract is great. It's one thing, it's something that we have to do, but actually talking about, you know, going forward and doing it. And so I think hearing from families who are going through this process of trying to integrate their schools, trying to go into different schools. You mentioned, you know, your kids are at a school that that doesn't have high scores. And so many people, I mean, we hear it all the time with our clients, they go, they move to different locations simply because, I mean, my parents said, I know my parents moved into an area because the schools were better than where I was born. It happens every day, but they see what is a good school by the numbers, the test scores. And we know test scores don't actually do anything to tell us whether or not it's a good education. Kids get high GPAs, go to college and drop out. You know, it's not everything. So being able to talk about the other aspects of school and education versus just not academics, um, the benefits that I'm sure you're getting from this school that doesn't have the high numbers, but numbers aren't everything. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of like nuance in testing and standardized testing. I think there's like all sorts of problems with it. I think, you know, you're starting from a need to recognize that we are not providing the same education to all kids, but it has now been sort of hijacked in a way that now the only good school is a school that has high test scores. And when we know test scores are correlated to wealth and they're correlated to whiteness. And so, you know, really what you're doing is you're saying how wealthy and white is a school, not what a good, is it, you know, not even what is it, is that school doing a good job about the kind of academic piece and none of that addresses at all the social piece. And, you right. know, I think we often think back to Thurgood Marshall's Milliken v. Bradley descent. He says, unless our children can learn to live together, sorry, unless our children can learn together, there's little hope our people will learn to live together and understand mm-hmm. each other. And like, none of that is captured by standardized testing, right? Like my kids will enter the workforce with white people in the minority in this country. What world are they inheriting if they have never been exposed to anybody who's different from them? You know, like, how am I actually setting them up for success if that is the world that I'm setting them out to? And just that subtle shift in that perspective, right? I think it just opens up just a realm of possibilities. Because for the most part, it's at the front end that you're like, okay, my child is going to school right now and I need to have a place that has good test scores and da da da. Like, you're not necessarily thinking down the line like you just so eloquently put it. It's, you know, white people are going to be the minority in this country, whether white people like it or not. And they, they basically are already there. And I think that as parents, you know, we get so focused on what's immediately in front of us, that being able to talk to others. I saw that on the website as well. Because I know for me, as I have a two-year-old now, I still say I'm a new mom because I don't know what's happening. And Amanda is a very new mom with a almost five-month-old, almost six months. You know, you talk to each other, right, about the different types of decisions and, you know, whatnot. And just having a community that was online, even pre-pandemic, I'm sure has just been so great of a resource. How has the pandemic kind of changed your grassroots efforts through integrated schools? Or has it? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think in some ways we're sort of fortunate because we have been doing this kind of national level organizing for a while. And mm. so nobody had to learn how to work Zoom. Yeah. Who was sort of, you know, we've been having Zoom book clubs for years. That mm. was how I got first engaged. So yes. there was like some benefit there. I think that we saw a huge spike in interest 
as mo- you know, anybody who was engaged in kind of racial justice work did after George Floyd and yeah. after the kind of risings over the summer. And so, you know, there's a piece of that that feels like reaffirming. And obviously, like the more people who come, the better. We are like glad to provide that space. And there's also always a piece of sort of like, where were like, why did it take this? You know, like right. there were there have been so many opportunities I along know. the way for people to like see these problems, like. But I don't know, like the more people, the better, as far as we're concerned, you know, bring people in. And I think that we spend a lot of time thinking about creating that kind of culture in that community and that space for people. You know, there is definitely a white and or privileged focus of our work. And sometimes that can feel a bit in tension with integration as a goal. Mm. But there's so much work that we have to do internally. There's so much self-work, like you were saying, that, that we had to do, you know, to deal with our own stuff before we kind of unleash it on the broader community. And so really creating a space for that and creating a space to dig into that, to have uncomfortable conversations, to say things, to screw things up, to recognize that we are flawed, that that we're going to continue to screw things up as we go, but have a place to come back to, to kind of be like, ooh, Oh my God, at PTA the other day, I said this thing, or I was in this meeting with a parent and I said this thing, I can't believe I said it. And to have somebody else be like, yeah, you probably should. That's, yep, maybe not great. But like, here's what I said the last time that sort of thing came up. Maybe try that next time and kind of create a supportive environment for people to do that kind of self work so that then when they go out, they're able to like engage in a more helpful way. Right. The idea isn't the expectation of perfection for everyone to just go from the way we've all been living to, automatically being something else, being someone else. We have to, it's going to take time, but it's the idea that you're trying or, but I like that openness because I can, I know that a lot of people are hesitant to try to work on things thinking, well, if I'm not perfect, totally. then, yeah, you know, so I might as well not try because I can't, you know. Right. 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 What if I say the wrong thing? I better, I may as well just not try. Yeah. I mean, I think our founder was really, really good at, going hard while still being willing to like adjust along the way, mm-hmm. you know, not being this like critical humility that doesn't paralyze you, you know, that says like, I, if in six months I haven't grown or changed my thinking at all, I'm doing something wrong, but that doesn't mean I'm going to wait six months before I go and try to do anything or try to, or mm-hmm. try to engage in any way. And I think that's a really powerful kind of guiding principle for us as, as an organization. Absolutely. I think that is one of the hardest things as someone that is trying to better themselves is the reflection within. I think it's been very easy and I've followed so many different people and I know I'm going to mess up because I didn't live that life. Like my mom is from Ecuador. I speak Spanish, but my last name was Gillette. Okay. So I passed as white. Nobody ever thought I spoke Spanish. Maybe if they looked at my middle name, right? So my experience has been very different from my friends and colleagues that have, you know, Latinx last names or first names. And I think has been something that, we, you know, we've had a couple different guests on our podcast and Amanda and I are, are always learning. And, and it has been something at our forefront simply because we see it with our children that have their unique needs and learning challenges and are black and are being punished at a rate of, you know, three, four or five times more than their white, you know, counterpart, right? And then you throw in a learning challenge and even whether it's autism, or ADHD and you got a whole set of other and mental health exactly and just the labeling on an even deeper level than just like 
So, you know, to be able to kind of experience it and have so many, even people, teens, like teachers come out and really be able to feel comfortable in talking about like, well, how is so-and-so doing with seeing everything that's happened, you know, over the summer and participate, you know, and that has been nice to see. But like Amanda said, we're not striving for perfect. And I think that a lot of people are afraid of the cancel culture and where I see the integrated schools is like, look, you're going to fall down and stumble, but we're here to help you get back up and you learn from it. And I think that if people have that attitude, it's not as scary of a conversation to even attempt. I mean, we're doing it now and it is, you know, it feels kind of like, oh my goodness, you know, but at least we're trying. And I think that, like I said, that's always been a goal of Amanda and I is, is to start the conversation to see you guys do it so well. We were really excited to have you on to share that with our listeners. So where can they go? Where, where can they listen to the podcast? Where can they go online? If you want to kind of give them a little rundown. Yeah, sure. Integratedschools.org is the website. The podcast is the Integrated Schools podcast. You can, as they say, get it anywhere you get your podcasts. Where our sixth season is launching beginning of February. Nice. So we'll be back with bi-weekly episodes starting then. We've got a book club coming up. We're reading Rucker Johnson, Children of the Dream. It's a great book about sort of the history of desegregation efforts and the impact that they've had. In the past, we've got a parent program. So your parents are sort of feeling lonely, thinking about making a different decision out there. We can connect them to parents either locally or nationally to kind of provide that support network. And yeah, we've got a Facebook group and Twitter and Instagram. It's always, yeah, encourage people to come and check it out. And you guys have been doing it for a while, like you said. So you got it on lockdown. You got people can get on those Zoom book clubs and not have any issues. Yes, we've figured out the technology piece for sure. I think that, you know, what the work is and where the work is centered feels like a constantly moving target. And we're always trying to kind of grow and and lean into that discomfort. I think there's a lot of the work is like convincing people that it's okay to be uncomfortable, that it's okay to not know, that it's okay to feel that like thing in your stomach that's like, I'm just not sure about this. That probably means you're doing something right and just sort of live in that for a bit. Yeah, learning and growing, it takes practice and it, it is hard. It's it's not, you don't just get there just because you want to be there. Just exactly. like anything, you got to practice, you yeah. got to work at it. You might be, you might fail a couple times before you get there. And, definitely fail. And, You'll definitely yeah. fail. Yeah, oh yeah. And that's, you know, we're setting an example for our children, right? That's what we tell them, right? You, right? you fall down, you get right back up. But I think somewhere along the way, we pretend like it doesn't apply to us. <laughs> and yeah. so this is a nice little reminder that, yeah, you're going to mess up. That is life. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on and telling our listeners. I hope you guys get involved. I think the Facebook group is a great way. You're on Facebook anyway, I'm sure. So why don't you add them and just kind of dip your toes in and see if it's something that you're interested in or like even just that subtle shift in perspective, I think is everything. And you guys have done an amazing job of really cultivating that message and getting that out so that people can digest it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was really a pleasure to speak with you both. Well, we'll we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good week. I don't even, I I can't even talk. Weekend, whenever you're listening to this. Whatever. (laughs) Take care, you guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.